Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 89, The Off-Road Leader. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Scott as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alex. How about you, man? I'm doing good. Uh, Scott we, and I were just talking a little bit before, and he's got over a decade of podcasting experience, which I haven't talked to anybody who's had over maybe three years, which is, or maybe I have, but 10 years is no, which is pretty impressive. And I'm really excited to talk to you because you seem like a person that has so many hobbies and wisdom to share. Well, I'm looking forward to adding as much value as I possibly can to your listeners and to anybody who listening. Your presence is already value enough and whatever you add on is just a bonus. <laughs> You're too kind. <laughs> so, uh, yes, before we jump into Scott and his hobby, do you have any social media links that you'd like to share with the listeners or the audience so they can learn more about you or projects you're working on or anything else? Well, I'll just say exactly what I say at the beginning of every one of my podcasts, which is my name is Scott McKay at Scott McKay on Twitter, real Scott McKay on Instagram, Scott McKay on YouTube. You can find us on the web at www.mountaintoppodcast.com and you can join our Facebook group at the Mountaintop Summit. Damn, that sounded so good. Yeah, I've got that one down, don't I? <laughs> yeah, you really do. And it sounds perfect. You're like, it's recorded, it's stuck in your head, and you know it by heart. Well, in that case, I'll put that in the description below so people can go check it out. And you know what? You can pause this podcast, go listen to all his stuff first. You got 10 years, over 10 years of podcasts to catch up on. <laughs> listen to that and then come back to this. And uh, once you're ready, we're going to start talking about Scott's amazing hobby, which I have not encountered anybody, none of my friends, no family, no strangers. So, I'm excited. But before we do that, who is Scott? Well, I was born at a very young age. <laughs> From there, I don't really know where to go with this. I will say this, though. In all seriousness, if y'all go to what I just suggested, you're going to get a bunch of men stuff. Like, you know, men trying to be more masculine and get better women into their lives. Because that's what I do as my quote-unquote day job is my wife and I are dating and relationship coaches. But I realize fully that everybody's here listening to this podcast because of BMXing. And so, <laughs> hey, this isn't called time for your job, right? This is called time for your hobby. So, heck yeah, man, let's talk about BMXing. And I have a link I can send them to that is probably a lot more fun for the ilk of people who are going to be listening than anything I just repeated. But yeah, you know, if you're a guy and you're looking to get a, a great girlfriend, you could talk to me about that too. But that is definitely the job, not the hobby. You know, time for your job is my next podcast idea. So you just ruined it by sharing it with everybody, but it's okay. We'll, we'll work on it together. And uh, <laughs> it doesn't sound like as much fun a show. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's a nine to five podcast. That's it. Yes. <laughs> so how did you get introduced to BMX? Or actually, first of all, what is BMX for people who are interested, but not quite sure what it is? You know, it's funny you should say that because when I married my wife, the joke is she couldn't spell BMX. <laughs> and <laughs> And several years later, she became one of the best in the country at it and represented the United States on the world team. So, uh, you know, she learned uh, she learned along the way. But it's interesting. BMX, first of all, is not motorcycles. A lot of people think, oh, is that like motorbikes? That's the first question you always get. It is bicycles. It is a cycling discipline. And the competition at the international level is um, is uh, sanctioned by UCI which anybody who's a cycling buff is going to know is the same sanctioning, sanctioning body that does the Tour de France, uh, cyclocross, and all that good stuff. Here in the United States of America, the sanctioning body is called USA BMX, which is a .com, usabmx.com, where you can learn all about the, uh, the sport and see pictures. And what it is, 
Well, here's how it started, okay? <laughs> it started out as kids whose parents thought motorcycles were too dangerous turning their Schwinn Stingrays in 1969 into something that looked like a motorcycle with motorcycle bars. And then there were races organized so that these kids could pedal themselves like it was a motocross race around dirt tracks with banked turns called berms. Uh, jumps. And then there was what was formerly known as the whoop-de-doo section, which is a bunch of, you know, kind of staggered bumps in a row. They call that the rhythm section now because people ride so fast that there's actually a skill tied to having lots of rhythm so you can get through that as quickly as possible. And it is really cool. Um, the sport has evolved so much. It's an Olympic sport. It will be in its fourth Olympics in Tokyo. The first time it was in the Olympics was in 2008. The Americans do pretty good at it. Matter of fact, the uh, current silver medalist is is Sarah's hero, and she's got lots of pictures with her. And the two-time gold medalist is a gal from Colombia, and she's also Sarah's buddy. My daughter is a eight-year-old BMX racer, and she goes to nationals with us. And uh, she's made friends with those with those those medalists, and it's pretty cool because it's kind of a small world. But the best way I know how to describe BMX for people who are utterly uninitiated, you know, would be to say. It's kind of an interesting mix between a cycling sport, you know, like mountain biking or cyclocross or even road biking. It involves the human effort and the human strength of pedaling with the skill and the daring do of catching air and, and getting what's called a whole shot, being the first out of the gate with motocross. And it's not a lesser sport or a greater sport than motocross. It's not a lesser sport or a greater sport than, say, mountain biking. It's just very different. If you think of a sprint mountain bike race where they have eight people and they drop the gate and it's a 40-minute all-out Ben-Hur-style war to the finish line about 1,200 feet later through all those twists and turns and jumps, you'll have a pretty good picture. Most of the bikes you see around the neighborhood, assuming you can get these kids off their, off their electronics and outside riding their bike to begin with nowadays, right? Most of the 20-inch wheeled bicycles you see kids riding are modeled after BMX bikes, you know, with the crossbars and the pads and so forth. But BMX racing is a discipline that is a fully sanctioned sport, and it's all over the world. It's an Olympic sport, like I said, and it has hundreds of thousands of participants. Uh, and in the United States, it probably had its peak in the early 80s, you know, with That's Incredible and Chips episode. It just really fit in well with the 80s, but it has evolved. Nowadays, it's lots of carbon fiber. My, my daughter's had carbon fiber and 7,005 aluminum and really trick titanium parts since she was five years old. But um, I went really long-winded about that because obviously I'm passionate about this. But you mentioned – you asked me also the second part I remember was how did I get involved with this? And there was a line. There was a, a, a line in history. It was probably about – October 2006, and my dad and I happened to walk into a bicycle shop in suburban Baltimore, which is a long way from California where this stuff started. And for those of you who are youngins out there, I mean, young by young, <laughs> I mean anybody younger than 40, before there was an internet, stuff used to take a long time to get from the West Coast to the East Coast. So the kids out in California were surfing and skateboarding and BMXing and stuff, you know, three years before we even knew it happened here. And I walked into that store and I saw what was called a Yamaha motorbike. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It was a bicycle manufactured by Yamaha to resemble their basically a YZ125 motorcycle. 
And when that was given to me by Santa Claus in 1976, it is, to, it was, and is to this day, the greatest gift I've ever received. I mean, it was my BB gun from Christmas story moment, <laughs> you know, to get that bicycle. I found out through finding a magazine called Bicycle Motocross Action that there were organized races. And lo and behold, after I worked through riding around the neighborhood and getting used to riding the bike and, you know, you're a young kid, you're like 11, you don't even know how to go looking for things, especially in the pre-internet era. I realized that they raced them and that there had been a track open in Baltimore. And when I finally got to go race, I felt like the little girl in that old blind melon video for no rain where she's dressed in a bee suit <laughs> and she just joins all the other little bee people and they're all dancing around and you know bmx gets a big rap for being a little kid sport well the pros are amazing if you go to youtube you know maybe you can drop a link on your page and, and look at the pro mains from the olympics you're gonna be like i, I don't want my kid anywhere near that and rest <laughs> assured the tracks your kids will ride on, they're not going to have to do anything like that. My daughter started on what's called a strider or a push bike when she was three. And um, now she's been riding over half her life. And she was number four in the whole country and the Texas state champion in the five and under expert girl division. And it really is a sport that anybody can do. It's great because unlike some of the other sports where you legitimately race Little kids can like be on the big stage, even on the same event and the same national event on the same day as the pros. I mean, where else can a little leaguer playing t-ball play in the same stadium as, you know, the Orioles or the Dodgers are going to play on later? You know, it's it's amazing. And it's an incredible sport that just builds grit and determination in kids. And obviously you can tell I love it. First of all, I have to say you are the first person to have on this podcast that your whole family is so passionate about this one hobby, BMXing. And it sounds like you guys are just so good at it too. And I have like so many questions to ask you like on all the little points you made, but I'll re restrain myself from a few of them. But do you, so if you had the chance or do you actually still own your original Yamaha bicycle or did you like go buy oh. a new one saying this is my like nostalgic bike. I can't use it. I don't want to use it. I just want to store it just to say this is where it all started. Alex, you're asking me all these questions that I can't possibly <laughs> be short-winded in answering. My Yamaha motorbike was stolen. Oh no. And I've never gotten another one. And nowadays you would not believe how much they're worth on eBay. It's in the thousands. <laughs> and um, it truly was an iconic bike, but it really wasn't ever really good for racing. Now, the heyday of my racing was in the early to mid 80s, which was also the heyday for coolness of the sport. Back then, if you were a kid in the neighborhood and you had a chromoly and aluminum anodized awesome bicycle, it was like it was a lot like being the kid in college with a Trans Am. You know, <laughs> the kid with the coolest bike in the neighborhood was was the coolest kid in the neighborhood. That's just how we rolled back then, literally. I actually years later about 2002, started building up a collection of all the bikes I'd always wanted, but there weren't enough paper routes to afford when I was 14. And I still have that collection of bicycles and I, I lovingly call them my retirement plan. <laughs> Speaking of which, how many do you have? If you don't mind me asking. <laughs> overall or just old ones? You know what? All, over, overall, all of them. This is going to be shameful. No, it's not. No, it's going to be, it's your collection. It's your passion. Nothing shameful about it. There were 29 two-wheeled vehicles on premise until day before yesterday, I sold a motorcycle. So we're down to 28. 
I'm in the process of simplifying. They're, they're going to go away. We're going to go on and do other <laughs> stuff like actual real racing instead of looking at old things. I'm just going to take a picture and sell them, you know, because I said better things to do. But it has been really gratifying to have them. And, you know, there's 20 and 24 inch class racing. So the kids have two bikes each and they're sponsored now because they're good. So I don't have to come out of pocket for everything full price. Thank goodness. I still have my two that I race. My wife has two. So legitimately eight of the bikes in, in this house get used. And for you, is there one bike that spoke to you more than the others? The one that was like, this was my lucky bike. This is the one I have the closest attachment to. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I've had a very close association with a, with a company called Supercross BMX out of Apple Valley, California. And their owner named Bill Ryan is a good friend of mine. And, and he's been very good to us over the years. I actually ran a factory team back in the mid aughts and uh, they were one of our most ardent supporters of that team. And since then I've ridden nothing but Supercross BMX bikes. And that's good because not only do I have a relationship with that company, but I also find that those bikes work better than anybody else's. Their design is just fantastic. I don't know if you've had anybody who is a surfing enthusiast on this show, but they would tell you that, you know, the man who shapes the surfboard has in his hands the ability to make that surfboard just ride waves brilliantly or he can mess it all up due to lack of competence. And believe it or not, every little angle of every little tube on a BMX bike's frame Hand, affects the handling and the performance of it. And my daughter, when she was able to finally fit on the first one, which is a micro mini, can you believe that? This is, <laughs> they come in different sizes. And when she was first able to finally get on the the smallest super bike, super cross motor bicycle, listen to me, I'm committing Freudians all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's not motorcycles. The first supercross BMX bicycle she could fit on, she was four or five seconds faster around the track immediately. I mean, so... I have, I, I'm a huge fan of Supercross BMX to this day. Um, back in the day, back in the early days before Supercross BMX existed, this is going to be a funny story. I, I wanted a bike called an SE Racing PK Ripper so bad. <laughs> and I could never afford one. And finally, when I could finally afford one, I got sponsored by a different bicycle company oh. and I never got to ride a PK Ripper. <laughs> It's the one that got away. I couldn't turn down the sponsorship, you know? (laughs) So actually in the garage, one of my old bikes is uh, the 24-inch larger wheel version of a PK Ripper. So I, you know, have one of those. It was your Moby Dick. It was the one that got away. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I have a few others. I, For some strange reason, I never got a PK Ripper even now. I got the 24-inch one and say, ah, that's enough. Uh, but that bike was called, that, that company was called SE Racing and they just had the coolest vibe. I mean, they would put... Their, their factory colors were not like, you know, like, you know, we're having Super Bowls this weekend as we're, is it okay to say something time sensitive like that? But I mean, <laughs> consider how like uh, an NFL team will have purple or black and black, or they'll have silver and blue or red and yellow. This, this company's factory team uniform colors were baby blue, brown and camouflage. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I know. It was just amazing. And then, you know, the outfits and they'd have camouflage. It was just the coolest vibe ever. And I never got to ride one until I was much older. So, uh, yeah, this episode's actually going to come out in a few months. So if <laughs> so, by the time it comes out, the, the Super Bowl is done. But to make things interesting, would you like to just make a prediction of who's going to win and the score? <laughs> it's not the Ravens. How about that? <laughs> okay, there you go. You have it there. This is recorded yeah. on 
January 29th, 2020. So uh, Scott just made his <laughs> prediction and it's absolutely correct. If it's not, then you didn't hear anything. <laughs> if you caught earlier how I'm originally from Baltimore, you know the sentiment with which I delivered that statement. <laughs> there you have it. Don't cross him. <laughs> yep. uh, so a question that crossed my mind was when you get a new bike, how long does it usually take you to get like used to it? Because you said like some bikes you just connect as it like it's your own skin. You feel every like inch and every like material of it is like it's part of your body, like the surfboard you're talking about. So for you, how long does it usually take you to get accustomed to a new bike? Well, I'll talk on behalf of everybody. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with your skill level. Um, I'll never forget the time I was complaining about a new bike that I'd put together and I just didn't seem like it was working or functioning right. And this is why I'd been back in the sport. I probably need to put the aside here that I, I stopped BMX racing when I discovered girl, cars and girls at age, <laughs> seven, age 16. And I came back to it after my first daughter was born because the other thing I was doing was road racing motorcycles, which Anytime you pick up the magazine, somebody's killed themselves on, on a racetrack racing. And invariably, they have twin daughters or a fiance they're leaving behind. And I didn't want to be a jerk at my own funeral. So my wife told me after I put that aside, you know, that it's obvious that I'm miserable not racing anything. I said, yeah, yeah, I know you're right. Because, you know, like Steve McQueen said, racing is life. Everything else is just waiting. <laughs> you know, if you race something, you have it in your blood. I don't think I'm quite that single-minded. I've got some more <laughs> to mention than that. I can, I don't wish my days away between races. But she said, well, what about the thing you did when you were a kid? I'm like, ah, you know what? That's a little kid sport, right? And I, there was an internet at that point. And I looked it up and to my just utter shock and amazement, 31 to 35-year-old, 24-inch racing was the biggest class at every national. That's guys cool. like me reliving their youth on the, on the bigger bikes. And I, I was hooked. I was hooked. And, uh, we ended up moving to a larger metro area where we live now, where there were tracks where there weren't in the place we lived before. And the funny thing that answers your question is I wasn't very good at it yet. And I got off a bike that everybody told me, well, look, the reason why you bought that for such a cheap price off the internet when you first got into it is because the bike was notoriously the most poorly designed 24-inch cruiser ever made. That's why you're slow. Okay, so I got a new one, and I say, like, hey, I don't think this one's any better. And the kid who was the current district number one on 24-inch wheels said, let me borrow that bike. <laughs> and he took it and just skied everything and just threw down like it was an extension of his body. And he comes back to me and, little, you know, little brat says, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. Must be the rider. I don't know, guys. You know, and I was like, yeah, touche. So... <laughs> If you're not any good, you know, anything you do that upsets the apple cart is going to involve a steep learning curve for you. I would say also little kids, like if I were to mess up my daughter's setup more than one piece at a time, she would take a couple of weeks to get back up to full speed. But guys who are, you know, just old pros at this, they could, they could probably take one of the Schwinn Stingrays from 1970 and perform magic on it. You know, I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but <laughs> the thing is when I got rid of another bike that didn't work and I got one that actually did work, which was my first supercross frame, by the way, I was immediately faster. The first, I mean, I took one careful lap so I wouldn't kill myself. Then the, my first hot lap I took on that was two seconds faster than anything I'd ever done on the bike I was used to. That's a fact. Yeah. And it, a, a lap is 45 seconds. Okay. Yeah. So that's significant. So it was like an insta instant love, love at first sight. 
<laughs> well, yeah, the thing just worked better. So, I mean, you know, a lot of times, you know, if, if you have bad golf clubs and somebody comes and they have really, really good golf clubs and you complain about your bad persimmon wood golf clubs when this guy had, you know, tailor-mades or something, you're going to sound like you're being defensive and a whiner. Okay. But if you traded golf clubs, the score would have been closer. Okay. That's the way it is with a lot of the bikes. The bikes do make a huge difference. My my uh, wife's bike, she's a full-grown woman. Her bike is 14 pounds and it's a 24-inch cruiser. Um, and if you buy one off of Amazon that's like a mongoose or redline, it'll be a 20-pound bike, you know. My daughter's at one point was under 10 pounds Wow, when she was younger. And, you know, if you bought the smallest bicycle out of the box, it'd be about 14 pounds. And so if you have a kid who weighs 32 pounds, pushing something that's 14 pounds compared to something that's 10 pounds, you can see the advantage there, especially if the, the bearings roll better and it's stiffer and it handles better and it's more confidence inspiring. So it all matters. Yeah. Speaking about all of that matters, uh, as in the bike, also the individuals, you said your whole family does BMX. And what would you say yeah. is everybody's strongest quality if you're able to determine that, let's say, speed, agility, strength, or anything in between? Oh, what a great, great question. I think for me, it's passion. I mean, I'm one of those guys who's living proof that no matter how hard you practice, if you're not naturally talented at it, you'll still be mediocre. <laughs> 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 My wife's is grittiness. She, she's got a little tomboy in her. She's very cute and sweet and feminine. She's, but, but she wants to go out and play in the dirt with the boys. And that has, that has allowed her to stand up and put her elbows out in races where quite literally both women flanking her were roller derby queens. Oh, okay. My wife's five foot one, 120. And they got her respect after that race because she elbowed them back. My daughter for her it is grit and determination. She's just a very mentally tough little girl who's very competitive. Everybody underestimates my little daughter. She's just now figured out how to say R's and L's and she's just turned eight. So, you know, she was tongue tied physically and she's very small for her age. She's very slight. So even now at, at age eight, she's um, on the size bike. Most of the kids her age have outgrown. She's all hair. She's very cute and she still only weighs about 38 pounds or 39. She's 40 pounds, 41 pounds, now, I think. But I bet you she has the soul of a lion. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> it's crazy. And, and you know, she races against, I mean, at that age, she races girl expert class. So these are the little girls who are the best in the country. They've beaten the boys at least 10 times, okay, to turn – you know, you have to race against the boys in the in the novice classes. And then you you can go through intermediate and Sarah's beaten the boys in intermediate classes 10 times. And then you get to girl expert. OK, now we at, since she was five, everybody pretty much skips intermediate because if your kid's showing promise, you could move directly to girl expert, expert girls because there's so few of them, frankly. OK, but um, she's always been the tiniest kid on the gate. I mean, we got we, there's a little girl out in uh, California. I don't want to dox anybody. Her first name is something that's always the largest of its type in the world. Okay. Imagine a kid who's like first name is like Airbus A380 or you know, <laughs> Chevy Suburban is her first name. And I, I joke with her parents. I said, you know, short people don't name their kid that. And then she's like, they're like, indeed, and this kid's like a head taller than my daughter at age like seven. And uh, so she has a lot of kids who have a, a natural knack for just raw power. I mean, they're longer cranks, you know. And, you know, when you're that small, 
that matters. But Sarah always, through raw skill, not always. I mean, she's there's lots of kids who are a next level of elite above her now at this point. Sarah's the three-time current state champion for Texas, which is good. She just finished overall number one across all age groups. That doesn't mean she's faster than everybody. It means she got more points racing the people she's meant to race with on any given day. But a lot of beating the boys to be district number one because not, not always are there a girl class, right? And uh, everybody respects her talent. Even at the nationals, uh, she made every main event at every national she went to last year. Through all the qualifying rounds, she was in the final eight every national she went to. And that's, you know, you know, there were more than nine at, the, at, at, those, at those groups, okay? And so she has the respect at a national level, and she's always the tiniest kid, so absolutely it's, it's grit and determination. My son has the ability just to relax and have fun and enjoy the event without getting all flustered over it. So actually, Sarah helps him get psyched for races. His name's John. And John helps Sarah chill out when she needs to. So they're very good for each other. So they complement each other. And for Sarah, you know what? That's an advantage when your opponent is underestimating you and you just blow them out the water oh. and it takes them a moment to realize, oh no, what? She's better than what I expected. And then they can't catch up because then they're stressed out. And you know what? Sarah's got the game. She's got this figured out. She's she's missing with her minds. <laughs> well, the beautiful part is when she goes to a new track somewhere and she gets put with the boys because there weren't any girls and they trash talk her like, oh, you're just a girl. I'm going to beat you. I bet you're slow. And Sarah trash talks them back like with my full blessing. OK, I mean, we're talking <laughs> about this as an excuse, you know, no fisticuffs or anything, but Sarah will go, well. I'm looking at the front of your plate and mine says one and yours says 204. <laughs> That's cute. So I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. And they're like, well, yeah, but you're a girl. And she'll say, well, you're a boy. <laughs> you know what? I love <laughs> that. hilarious. Kid trash talking at that age must be so adorable to watch. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. And they've been doing it since they were five. And the little girls will trash talk each other. And then what's happened, what's the craziest thing in the world, especially the little girls. Like imagine 12 kindergartners. Okay. And, and everybody except my daughter has a pink and purple bike, you know, the carbon fiber stuff and then pink aluminum and anodized purple. My daughter's is like, look, she modeled hers after the pro with a lot of black and dark colors. And hers looks like a BMX version of a MotoGP, you know, Ducati <laughs> because of the color combination she uses. <laughs> and but anyway, they're up on the gate and they are like little Calvin and Hobbes pictures when he had, was like real angry and determined, you know, under these huge helmets that make them look like, you know, it's Marvin the Martian. <laughs> That's so cute. And then they'll get up there and they're they're clipped in. They use clip pedals. Oh, really? At five. Wow. Can't do that till you're an expert. And then the gate is like high pressure. You know, you had a time to get all of them snap the gate. And, you know, I mean, this is like mains at nationals and at world competitions and I mean, and on these tracks that have like five meter starting hills. I mean, when I was 10 years old, I was afraid to jump off the high dive at the local swimming pool. <laughs> these kids are barreling down something that looks a lot like a ski jump from the top. And and uh, and they are ruthless. I mean, they're riding each other up the berms. And one time. Sarah was beating this little girl and she came around Sarah, actually Sarah lost the race to this little girl. She came, when she, Sarah came out, said, came back and said, when this little girl went around her, she went, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like it was a star Wars movie or something, you know? <laughs> and I mean, and then what happens is, you know, they, they'll battle it. I mean, it's, it's amazing to watch because they're kindergarten little girls, you know, and, and they'll cross the line. And then 10 minutes later, they're combing each other's hair and playing with My Little Ponies <laughs> and Shopkins and 
and holding hands and, you know, getting, you know, shave ices together and trading. It's crazy. They're just, they act like little kids again, you know, little girls and, and all putting their one. I mean, one time they were handing out the number one plates and Sarah didn't win one at that particular event. And, and I went to find her cause she was missing. And I found her under a tree braiding this little five-year-old blonde girl's hair. And Sarah was seven, you know, and she's just making friends. She mentors these little kids too. the little girls locally, the five and six-year-old little girl racers. We have more of them than most tracks because little sisters see Sarah out there and they go, I want to try, I want to try. And then Sarah loves, takes great pride in helping them get faster. She's uh, a part of a team called Tough Girls, T-U-F-F-G-U-R-L-Z, you know, spelled the mod way. And a Hall of Famer named uh, Debbie Calso runs that team. And they place a huge emphasis on self-confidence for young girl athletes and grittiness and determination and always be faster than the boys, you know. And they they talk a lot about mentoring and helping other people. And and Sarah has bought into it, hook, line, and sinker, and it's beautiful. You know, it's very, very good that Sarah learned at a young age, and I'm sure your son as well, that the energy that they give is on the track and off the track. We're humans and they just communicate as friends or acquaintances that will be eventually either become friends or stay acquaintances, but they understand the respect, the trash, the, the trash, the track is for trash talk off the track is for friendly talk. <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it gets out of hand sometimes like it does in the NBA or in the NFL, but you know, it's usually teenage boys with testosterone or sometimes the older dads <laughs> <laughs> the passionate dads <laughs> yeah a few beer skis you know before the uh before the gate and next thing you know things get sketchy but yeah i mean between that is scuffing their knees and extreme sports and it's not it's not one of those sports where everybody gets a a, a participation trophy if you lose and you don't make the final you paid a lot of money and you lost Meanwhile, you watch this kid walk away with a four-foot trophy for winning, and that kid isn't you, and that's the kid who, who deserves it. And and how good you are is on the front of your bike, like in motocross. If you're number one, you're a champion. Everybody else, you know, they would like to have that number one. And Sarah lost her, her regional final this year. I mean, there's there's district, and then there's state championships, then there's um, uh, regionals and nationals, and everything but district is age-specific. So she went to the South Central Regional Finals, ranked number one. And she expected to walk away from that with a yellow number one plate for being South Central Regional Champion, seven expert girls. And a little girl came from California who was national number one and sniped it from her. You can get angry. Oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get angry. I'm not gonna get angry. <laughs> so Sarah so Sarah got a two. I mean the royal you, right? Um <laughs> The royal we could be angry about that, but it's within the rules. And she did that. She surprised us. She was had a national number one on the front of her bike. She was the fastest six-year-old last year. And she came. And if Sarah would have wanted that number one, she could have beaten her. And she didn't. And that's it. So she's got a number two. Well, you know what? At this point, it becomes a learning experience. If you don't win, she can say, you know what? This is where I need to improve. And this is where I need to that's grow. Right. And for you yourself, just a little segue, what would you say is the best part about BMX racing on a personal and emotional level? Like, What does it bring to you? Well, it's a great way to bring your family together and to travel and to go on adventures. And for the kids, I really agree with Angela Duckworth, who gave a great, te uh, great TED Talk. She's an educator from somewhere, I believe, near Philadelphia. 
And uh, she talked about how the single biggest differentiator between people who are ultimately successful in life and not is grit, which is mental toughness. You know, more than raw intelligence, more than how good looking you are, whatever privileges you have, the, the biggest differentiator is is how mentally tough you are. And these kids out competing and crashing and getting up and a lot of people question why we would take a five-year-old little girl and put her in an extreme sport where she can scuff herself up and get hurt. And the answer to that question is, first of all, she loves it. She's passionate about it. And I really honestly believe my kids will grow up and take over the world someday <laughs> because they're not phased by much. They've, they've, overcome, they've come, overcome adversity They've had to perform under pressure, you know, not not in a, a life and death way, but in a way that that if they embrace it, it'll be fun to them. You know, but they put at the at the main at the Grand Nationals at the end of the year, which both my wife and my daughter made the finals at the Grands, the last race of the year, the the, the Super Bowl of the sport. They came around with a TV camera and stopped in front of each racer and introduced the little girls making little hearts with their hands, you know. <laughs> And every kid on my daughter's gate, five and under girl expert, nailed the start. Just like, just lizard brain mode. And it was my wife's main, you know, 46 to 50 year old women's cruiser where they were all shaky and one of them hit the gate on the, they were the ones flustered. It wasn't the five-year-olds. You know, it's amazing. It's like when you watch the kids in the Olympics, like the Olympic gymnasts and you wonder, how can they stick the landing when the whole world's <laughs> watching? It's amazing. I don't know how they do. I think it's just sheer repetition. But that mental toughness, that level of understanding, hey, I could get hurt doing this. I could crash. I could lose. And when I, when I lose, it's going to be painful. One time Sarah lost spectacularly by trying to crash for the lead. And it cost her not only in the standings, but it cost her – they had really pretty trophies at that race. And and the person that she was trying to beat was one of her biggest rivals. It was actually the same little girl who went, no, the time she passed her. <laughs> and she crashed and it was a spectacular crash and it 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 hurt. You know, she landed on her helmet. You know, we have good stuff and little kids don't get seriously injured much in this sport. I, I want to absolutely say that. I mean it's not like tossing your kid out of an airplane without a shoot and it's not like – what they do on Nitro Circus or X Games. It's not like that. We picked her up, scuffed her off, and she was racing the next week, and nobody could believe it. And she did, wasn't phased. She's like, yeah, you win some, you lose some. I'll be back, and next time I'm going to win. Kids kids are like like bouncy balls. They're just bouncing, and they're back on their feet. As you get older, you got to yeah. bounce and just you know just walk it off a little bit. And on that- 53-year-old <laughs> expert isn't like that. Oh, yeah. On that note, uh, what are some common injuries that happen when doing BMX racing, and what are some injuries that you've occurred or you've had i'm about to turn off everybody from the sport i'm gonna build up this whole house of cards just to blow it down with one breath it is very rare for kids to get seriously injured racing okay you will get some my, my son has broken his wrist they got him healed up he was fine my daughter has, has has really not hurt herself to the point where she needed to go to the doctor um emily broke her pinky finger and i and she crashed one time and and kind of knocked her shoulder out of whack for a couple of weeks so she you know she skipped a couple races i have broken more bones than that but i've also been at it since 1978 i mean anytime you do any kind of sport where you're going to either contact other people or you're going to contact the ground sometimes you're going to you're going to have a trip to the doctor here and there but really um it, it's it's amazing how how kids stay on two wheels and when they do crash they slide out i mean the really spectacular 
crashes that make people gasp are usually usually re- reserved for the older experts or or the pros who are mm-hmm. doing made for TV events. And maybe one day that'll be for your kids. You never know. <laughs> well, and it really isn't. There aren't a whole lot of people making a living off of racing. I mean, there are people who do it in ancillary ways in the sport by make manufacturing goods or, you know, whatever. But there, I would say there's only a handful of riders who are actually making a living from racing. A lot of them do graduate to mountain biking and uh, other disciplines that are perceived not to be a little kid's sport, you know. And a lot of them simply go and get a job or build a career elsewhere. There are a lot of people who are former racers who are still in the sport, including myself, you know. Uh, a lot of people just stay amateur because it's fun. It's kind of like when mm-hmm. you make something your job, it's no longer any fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah no, I, no, I know exactly where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. most, most of the competitors in BMX racing are kids. Most of the adults racing have kids racing also. It is a big time family thing. It was fun to have my wife and my daughter be the only mother-daughter team of top 10 nationally ranked riders. That's cool. The year they did it. Yeah. But- it is going to, if you go to a, a a national and they have 200 motos, which is 200 racks of kids and, and adults, 160 of them will be children under 18. And must just get their blood pumping and they must all love it with a passion. And they have like, I wouldn't call it tunnel vision, but they're focused that nothing will get in their way. They have the goal, the finish line is in front of them or around the corner, wherever it's located and they're going to reach it. And you have a lot of experience doing this. Your daughter's just starting off. Your wife has experience. Your son's kind of starting off as well. So what was your biggest challenge when you first started BMX racing? Getting somebody to take me to a track to race. Because my parents weren't passionate about it. They thought I should go play lacrosse or study to get into college. You know, what are you riding around on your bike for? What, what good is that? So that was my biggest challenge. That and also getting a bike that was raceable. Because, you know, I got all the wrong parts because I was young and silly. I had all the heavy stuff and the stuff that wasn't designed for racing. And I had to, you know, mow lawns and wait for Christmas, <laughs> you know, to get a part here and there. I mean, even back then and now, it's not the cheapest sport in the world to have all the goodies. I mean, you can, like anything else, I mean, you can go to a pawn shop and get some golf clubs and be out in the golf course. But next thing you know, like us as guys, once we get passionate about something, we have to have all the cool stuff. You know what I mean? But I mean, the cool thing about families is, you know, once mom and dad are into it, the kids get the cool stuff, you know, without mowing the lawn, this becomes a family thing. And I think that's, that's a good thing. Your kids, if anybody listening to this is, is, has their, their interest peaked with this. What I can tell you is if you take them out to see BMX, they'll either be eyes wide like saucers or they'll be like, man, I'm not feeling it. And it will probably have everything to do with the weather. If it's freezing cold outside, they'll go on or wet. <laughs> if it's warm and like 72 degrees and sunny and it's a big race and kids are having fun. And especially if they see people their own size, that's why there are more little girls here locally because they see Sarah and they go, she can do it. I could do it, mom. Right. And a lot of people think it's a sport for boys. They don't think that girls can do it. And and we have more girls in the sport than ever before. And I'll tell you what, the little girls who are in this sport, they just love it. They feel so cool and have such confidence because they're doing something rough and tumble. And they're just as cool as the boys. And and, and I'll tell you, the, the best girls, especially prepubescent, like when they're like under 12, the best girls will beat all the boys in the country except the very elite boys. In other words, they they could hold their own in the expert class with the boys, especially the younger ones. 
And um, it's really neat to watch. But um, what I would say is one of the great benefits of BMX, like if any fathers, mothers or fathers are listening to this and you feel like your kid's on, you know, kind of becoming a statistic in obesity department and they're kind of not paying attention to school and, and getting in trouble and they spend way too much time in front of electronics and on the TV. And then every time you you find them, they're they're absconded with your iPad and you know they're always in trouble and you don't know what to do with them. Man, if you got a $225 bike off of Facebook Marketplace and took your kid out and his father and son tuned that bike up together, you don't have to have the kind of technical expertise where you know how to, t- t- to say, for example, tune a two-stroke engine for motocross. You don't have to put that kind of money into it. But just that father and son outing and and you cheering for him and helping him get ready and him experiencing that racing and getting that in his blood, I've I've seen father and son relationships transform. I mean, I've I've heard fathers come to me and tell me about it. I had the honor of being the track announcer, you know, the play-by-play guy at our local track. And and for some reason, since I was the guy they heard talking, they would come up and talk to me about the experience they're having. And, oh, this is so much fun. That's cool. And that's what I heard over and over again. It's my kids and I are becoming so much closer. He's doing better in school. He's just, you know, a more resilient kid. You know, there's a lot of talk nowadays about toxic masculinity and how do we train today's little boys, how to be real men. And I, I think what's left out of that is, is mental toughness isn't gender specific. And it isn't that we have to turn our little boys into wimps and soften them up. It's like, hey, you know, the girls want to have mental toughness and be confident as well. And they can still be girls, but we have to help our boys, you know, realize that they can still do that and enjoy it. And they can go out and be rough and tumble and throw elbows at each other and, I don't know, even trash talk each other a little bit. I'll probably get email because of that. But, um, you know, there's, we're not talking about kids who back down. We're talking about assertive children. And what I've noticed about the kids who have raced at the national level, I've been at this long enough that I get to see them in their 20s sometimes, you know. And they've gone and gotten jobs. And every one of those kids is just an exemplary citizen. They're They're – doing something that changes the world. They're good people who treat others with respect and, and aren't getting in trouble with the law. And um, one, one young man I know, he, he um, is in the military as an officer and, and he does just amazing work. And another guy I know, and I've known him and his parents for ages, just a great kid, but, you know, just outdoing himself at the professional level now at age 27, 28. And uh, you have guys that grow up to be firefighters and law enforcement officers, and they'll go back and credit it to their days on the BMX track, teaching them how to be gritty. You know what it sounds like? BMX is the way to go. You heard it from Scott. If you want to be well-behaved and want to be successful, find a BMX. You can find it on Facebook, eBay. Don't steal bikes. It happened to Scott. Scott will find you. And <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do. But uh, <laughs> it reminds me of a joke. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a setup for a joke. But for you, what would you say is your current Biggest challenge. I I feel like you don't have oh, come any. On, let me tell the joke. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Tell me the joke. This is a joke that actually was written by Emo Phillips, who's on stage. Persona is a little weird, but he's an amazing comedy writer. And he says, when I was a boy, I used to pray every night that God would give me a bicycle. But then I realized God doesn't work like that. So I stole <laughs> one and asked him to forgive me. I think I heard something like that. It's, it's 
what is it? Is it, it's, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a joke <laughs> built on that premise now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And my dad told now, me the same thing. Now, you were mentioning something before also yes. about <laughs> if you want to become a better behaved person, you know, parents become worse behaved. It crushes them. I mean, they're yelling, paddle, paddle, paddle. And, you know, the parents are yelling at each other, don't talk to my kid. The parents are the ones who are embarrassing in the sport. The kids are wonderful. You know what you need? You need kind of like a soundproof wall or soundproof glass where the parents can see, but the kids can't hear. So the kids can just focus. Right. Yes. <laughs> like the parents are saying, paddle, paddle, paddle. And some guy stands like someone goes, yeah, you get out there on a bike. Let's see what you can do. <laughs> yeah, I'll paddle a little bit. Uh, but yeah. yes. I'm sorry. You asked a very legitimate question. <laughs> no, no, no. You're speaking your heart, which is fantastic. But yeah, the question I did ask was, what is your current biggest challenge? My current biggest challenge is our local our local track closed because the laws changed here in Texas and it was on a floodplain and they couldn't put the track there anymore. So we're in the process of finding a new location for the track. And so the kids are having to drive. I mean, this is a first world problem, but the kids are having to drive to Austin to race, which is an hour and 15 minutes away. It used to be eight minutes away. Would there be a way to have it in a dome or is that something you guys don't want or do want? Well, I'll tell you, indoor tracks are great, but they're usually something that happens in the wintertime in cold climates. Now, the Grands every year are held in the Tulsa Convention Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is a huge, huge venue. And they just have had a couple of nationals where they build a temporary track inside like a like a rodeo stadium, you know, rodeo place. But having a track actually indoor and being a local track purposely built for that is very rare. Matter of fact, the the two of them that I know of that are permanent have big metal coverings over them, right? They're not enclosed because it gets dusty in there and also it gets sicky in there. Like if you have a a bunch of uh, eight-year-olds holed up in the same indoor place for three days straight, everybody goes home with the flu. So you don't want that either. But um, what they've done is they figured out how to make the tracks less susceptible to rainfall so they stay smooth and and don't crumble up and turn to mud so quickly. I mean, ironically, when I was a kid, mud races, we'd just race. Nowadays, you can't <laughs> risk the track by destroying it. I'm sorry, by destroying it in the rain like that. And I also bet there's that feeling of doing it outdoors, like the, and the wind just hitting your face or hitting your body compared yeah, to indoors. It's right. just that feeling that makes it more enjoyable. Whatever happened to going outside and playing, right? <laughs> you know what? I'm taking this, po- I'm going to take my podcast stuff and go outside. I live in Canada. It's the middle of winter. What could go wrong? but but you know they have bicycle tires with the spikes like ice racing they do ice bicycle oh yeah yeah well here in in ottawa where i'm from people get like the thicker tires and it can be like snow up to your knee and people will still bike to work (laughs) like there's nothing yeah uh now to go into a darker side i know we're having a really positive up like energetic conversation what are some misconceptions about people who do bmx racing well, I had a friend one time, and he and I both were single at the same time. Uh, my wife and I met each my current wife and I met each other in 2006. And 2003, we were both really into this sport, and we were on Match.com, and it's in the national form. And he put pictures of himself. Now, this guy is about 6'5", 350. And he put pictures of himself BMXing up there. Now, the bikes are 20-inch wheeled bikes. And so he put pictures of himself up there and talked a lot about BMX. And, you know, that may have worked well with him or, or for him or not. But I, I was equally passionate about the sport, but something told me 
If I put pictures up there of myself riding around 20 inch bicycles and talk about how much I love to go BMXing when most people race it or little kids, you know, I don't think I'm going to get as many dates. And so that worked out well for me. You know, I, I would wait till like the second or third date before I'd spring on women that I was into this stuff. You know? And by then, they either liked me or they didn't anyway. So, you know, it was no consequence. But I think most adults can't comprehend adults racing this. It's like, well, why don't you go get a motorcycle? Everybody thinks a BMX is like for people who are too wimpy or too poor or who, or who aspire to be doing motocross. And really, it's a very different sport. And or people who, why don't you do mountain biking? I mean, you know, put some shocks on that bike, go on a longer. It's its own discipline. It's worthy in its own right. I think the biggest unfortunate factor is that it's called BMX, bicycle motocross, when in reality, it's more like short track bicycle obstacle racing. You know, it resembles motocross because they call the heats motos and there's a gate and etc but just to kind of show you where the stigma comes in mountain bike mountain biking actually appropriated bmx and built the gate as four guys across and they call it four cross and they don't ever mention any homage at all to bmx <laughs> well there that's interesting yeah. but at the same time people can't believe my daughter was as young as she was doing it like I said, she's this tiny little kid. She looks like a toddler. I'm like, she's the state champion. It's like, you bet. You should see her on a bike. And then they see the video and they're like, wow. Wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think that's the biggest misconception. Um, I think either people think it's really dangerous when it's no more dangerous than playing any other youth sport really. Or that it really has to be expensive, which it doesn't. Or that the people are all going to be very rough around the edges and rude and uber competitive or snobby. I mean, you know, whatever you're thinking about BMX folks, if it's, if it's negative, you know, you're going to find when you go to your local track, people will be so glad to see you. They'll be so cool down to earth. People who are very uptight, like helicopter mom kind of people, people who are easily offended, like, Oh my God, you know, people are looking for reasons to categorize other people and slot them and, get passive aggressive. Those people aren't putting their kids on bicycles and strapping helmets to them and telling them to go ride. You know, people are very laid back, very much people who want to take a bite out of life. And you'll find that everybody's friendly and, and a lot, a lot, a lot of family oriented people. And it's one of the things I really love about this sport is as the kids get older, they take care of the younger kids. Like especially at local races at the grassroots level. Um, it's so funny. My daughter had the hugest crush on this kid who was like 14 when she was like six. Okay. And, and I don't know what I would have done with that when I was 14, but you know, this kid's great kid and he just, you know, took it in stride. You know, he just was very nice to Sarah Didn't tell her to go away. Didn't roll his eyes. Didn't think it looked bad, you know, and, and it was just, it's great to see kids be worthy role models, even at 12 or 13 to kids who are seven or eight. It's really cool. And, you know, it kind of harks back to what I said. They grow up to be leaders. They grow up to be good people who mean well. You know what? It's It really sounds like it's a really good community, a close, tight family. People are there to yeah. help each other out and help grow. And on the track, like I said before, it's a competition. But off the track, we're all humans and they're just there to support each other. And the, each person can learn from each other, which is fantastic. And on that note, it's a horrible segue. But do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? 
Well, you know, kind of to piggyback off what you just said, BMX racing as a, a national community is kind of it's kind of metaphorical to say it's like one of those cities that's not so terribly large that it has horrible traffic like L.A. or Houston. But it's also not a city so small that you don't have one of every restaurant. So it is a small world in, in that you get to know the players, even at the national level, you get to know people like Sarah's on a first name basis with the pros who she looks up to. They know who she is. But also you, you can do a whole lot. You can go to a different track. You can meet somebody new. There are all kinds of different parts you can choose from. So it's a small world, but it's a big world at the same time. When you go to the website, like where the sanction is, like usabmx.com or check out the Facebook group, you'll see it's pretty elaborate. And when you start looking through the district points, you'll be like, wow, a lot of people are involved with this. Yeah. And that was even a better segue for my next question. Do you have any social media links or websites? Because I do this at the beginning, at the end, so people can get a refreshed mind on where they can find Scott and everything he's doing. All right. Well, what we're personally doing to get back to the BMX world is we have started a venture called Nick Stickers, N-I-C-K-S-T-I-C-K-E-R-S.com. And this is something that's never been done as far as we can tell in youth sports ever before. And we're starting with BMX, but you know, if you're listening to this and your kids are involved with youth sports, you may be interested. And at nickstickers.com, what you'll find is we have a team of artists. You tell us your kid's age, nickname, their team colors, and I have my artists draw a cartoon of their nickname. Oh, that's so cool. kid's name, the cannonball, or my daughter's the flying chipmunk. Isn't that something? And, you know, someone named the big rig. We had a kid who's named, you know, Billy hot Soths, whatever his last name is. I'm not going to mention anybody's names, but, um, <laughs> not without the parents permission, but BMX is a very nickname oriented sport, which of course is another very cool thing about BMX. Okay. And what we do is we do artwork for kids, a, a visual representation of their nickname, the flying chick, the flying chipmunk one is particularly cute, by the way. And then what we do is we turn them into stickers. So you can put them on the back of your car. You can put them on your bike. You can put them on your notebook. And you feel like a pro. You feel like you're you're almost famous because you have a picture of yourself as you, as, the, as your alter ego, as your nickname. And it is so far proving to be very popular. And um, we're doing that even for soccer players, for motocrossers, lacrosse players. If you have uh, you don't even have to have a nickname. You can just tell us what your personality is like and our, our artist will draw you and, and with your name. That's kind of like when you get sponsored. So you're sponsored by yourself. Like that's, that's your sponsor logo. That's awesome. You know what? For well, me? I don't know. <laughs> the factory sponsored kids, like the cream of the crop, the kids are like national number one overall. A couple of the teams like draw cartoon stickers of their kids and hand them out at races. And all the kids are like, oh man, this is like as cool as being in the magazine. Well, now we can do that for your kids. And my daughter, I mean, her dad and mom are running the company, right? And the first time she ever saw her flying chipmunk sticker, she was like, this is like the coolest thing ever. You know what? For kids, this is the equivalent of a business card. When people see it, it's like, okay, hey, that's the flying chipmunk. I got to get in contact 100%. with her. <laughs> you know what? I just thought of a name for myself. I'll be the gliding potato. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not flying, gliding. <laughs> there you go. And uh, I forgot to ask this question, but it's pretty important. And I'm sure a lot of people are curious. But what has BMX racing taught you in life? If it taught you one very important thing, what would it be? Take yourself less seriously. Some days you win, some days you lose. Have fun. 
try your darndest. And if it doesn't work out, there's always tomorrow. And then the, the day after that, the day after that, and you know, a lot of tomorrows in my BMX <laughs> racing career. Yeah, exactly. exactly. My little bratty daughter, she wins almost all the time. She, I mean, you know, she has to go to a national and go head to head with the little fast chicks from California to get it handed to her. And she doesn't like it, but it, you know, I think winning and losing is, is good for you. I mean, and so mm -hmm. sometimes parents will go to a national and they expect their kid to do well. And the kid crashes out both days. And uh, I've seen parents go, Oh my God, this was such a waste of a weekend. No, it wasn't. Cause that's that, that has to happen sometimes to make to make the winning worthwhile, to make it matter. I could just imagine like you as a father, you come in like seeing just to check up on your daughter when she's sleeping and she's just sleep by uh, cycling. <laughs> she's doing BMX as she's sleeping, just muscle memory. Well, another thing I guess I should say before we leave is we do other things as a family. I, I'm not burning my children out at this. And I think that needs to be said. And in some very important ways, it's sort of a secret to our success. I don't have my kid out there doing laps and doing training programs and I haven't hired a pro to be her boot camp instructor. I didn't do that to my kid. Now, she loves to ride her bike. She can go on the Greenway trail with us and do 17 miles and want more, okay, on a single speed bike. Granted, it's light. But we don't we don't force our kids to go when they don't want to. And there have been times where there were a couple of weeks and they didn't want to go. And um you know, when my son broke his wrist, we needed to take care of him enough and do other things while that, that he could do to enjoy his life instead of making him stand around the sidelines wishing he was out there. So we travel. We actually world school our kids, which means we we homeschool them, but we treat the entire globe as their as their field trip. And um, they're involved with a bunch of other things. Both of them are heavily into drawing and art. And, uh, you know, they're they're good, well-rounded children. It isn't all BMX all time in our family. And I don't want to, I, I don't want to, I, I can't overstate that. You know, we, we do do other things other than this. No, so that's adding to the misconceptions that it's all, all the time, 24 hours. So that's perfect. I, I didn't think you did. I thought that you're a very good father. You, your kids are just very energetic and it also sounds they're just very passionate about BMX, but they also sound like they're kids. They have other passions as well, which is always fantastic. Like I know for myself, I, my mind was bouncing around everywhere. I was trying everything out. So yeah, I think it's like every kid does that, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I think the kids that try BMX and like it tend to become slightly addicted to it because it's competition and it's the big time where little kids don't usually get to see that. Like even if you play soccer or you play like softball you can go to regionals and states um, but i mean here in texas you have to make the state championships before they put you on tv really and, and and you get to play where the cowboys play you know bmx they're they're trophies every race sometimes big trophies at big races there's championships on the line uh there's sponsorships i mean there are magazine opportunities there are other kids competing and it's it's you and a team. Like I said, my daughter is on a team where they have camaraderie. But when you're on the gate, it's you versus everybody. And so every there's something at stake all the time and it kind of makes it feel fun. And when you go to the bigger races, the pros are having their championship races that same day and all the sponsors are out and the banners for all the companies. And it feels like a big deal, even for little kids. I can't think of something that feels like a bigger deal for kids in elementary school than BMX racing. Eating your vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in the long run, yeah. But like I have, I, I have behind me, I'll show you 
what you can take I can take a picture and send it to you if anybody really cared, but I'll show you when we when I put the video on at the end of this again. Behind me is is more it's just an ungodly amount of big trophies. It's wall to wall. Oh yeah. Because I mean, you know, you can rate you can play a whole season of lacrosse and they give you a team trophy at the end. So you have kids who have been, you know, participants in team sports throughout their high school years and they have like a little shelf with about five trophies on them. I mean, one of Sarah's little friends won her open class and her and her points class at a national in all three days and got six five foot trophies just for one weekend. Wow. Wow. Jeez. Man, you need to get a bigger house. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the scale of this. Yeah, but she's really good. Yeah. And uh, for the last question, I always do this at the end of each episode. Do you have any questions for me about BMX racing? Well, I guess the best question I could ask is. Did you feel like you got something from this conversation? Do you feel a bit better acquainted with BMX than you were before? Or did we clear up any misconceptions you may have had about it? Uh, well, actually, before we had this conversation and we, you were talking on through emails, you told me that your daughter did it. And at a young age, five, I was like, wow, that's impressive. Like at five years old, I was doing nothing like that. It oh, just, no kidding. <laughs> I was afraid to stand at the bus stop. I thought some guy in a pickup truck was going to kidnap me if I stood at the bus stop without my mommy when I was five. <laughs> and my kids racing, you know, down five meter starting hills on carbon fiber bikes, bashing elbows with little boys. It's unbelievable. Well, yeah. one of my stupid moments as a kid on a bike is that when my dad was teaching me how to ride a bike and I finally got the hang of it, he was so happy. He gave me two thumbs up. My stupidness, I uh, decided to let go of the handles and give <laughs> him two it. thumbs up. <laughs> and then the bike just twisted and I went flying. <laughs> oh, that's such a shame. Yeah, Sarah's been riding two wheels since she was three and a half. Wow. Uh, which is actually late. Really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, a friend of ours who's, who, you know, if you want a BMX family, he would have been your Huckleberry for sure. I mean, they got five children, all of whom race. I don't think mom and dad race though. And his youngest was a one novice. He was on pedals on the track before his second birthday. Okay. So basically if I have kids and they're interested in BMXing, I, they have to come out of the womb with a, like the handlebar. Just Insane. <laughs> well, yeah, he's also got four siblings. All, I mean, he, he, talk about family does a lot of BMXing. That would be them. But I mean, just props, you know, and, um, yeah. So, so actually it's funny. You should mention the no hands thing. Cause Sarah had a penchant for wanting to do tricks before her fifth birthday. You know, once she had a decent BMX bike and I'm, I'm riding around the neighborhood with her, you know, it's blowing off a bunch of steam, steam. And one day she goes, look, dad, she puts her hands out like airplane face <laughs> and she's five and just man, give her mama heart attacks over and over. She <laughs> dies a thousand deaths. I mean, she's bunny hopping things. She's jumping things now. <laughs> like, like she's freaking, you know, Jeremy McGrath. No hands wanting to, you know, one hand or one footers and she just loves tricks. It reminds me, have you ever seen those videos online of these people who do gymnastics on bike? It's just, it's crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then like back when you saw like the movie Rad in like 1985, they're like doing flatland tricks and yeah, I mean, well, I mean the things that the adults do, this is probably something that needs to be said before we wrap up. Freestyle BMX is to BMX racing what freestyle motorcycles are to actual supercross motocross, you know, riding in the dirt that what we're talking about here is racing competition, not diving, you know, into the air and triple tail whip, double backflip. I mean, that's amazing to us too, you know, and it's, it's not often where those two talents overlap, by the way, 
there aren't many racers who are unbelievable at the tricks and there aren't many in, you know, vice versa either. But yeah, that needs to be said. A lot of times people think BMX and they think, oh, well, do they do tricks? It's like, well, they do tricks, but they're racing. And adding another thing to the misconception. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm shame on me for not remembering that one because that's a big one. You know what? I'm sure we'll talk more after this podcast is done. You'll be like, oh, Alex, Alex, turn on the mic again. Uh, there's another <laughs> one that came up. <laughs> oh, I've died a thousand deaths on my own show too. Believe me, that's what show notes are for. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, if you guys are interested, you can listen to this episode again. And of course, go check out Scott's podcast because I'm sure he has a lot more information, goes into more detail so you guys can get fully informed. And so, yeah, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Scott, for coming on and just sharing your passion, not only your passion, your wife's passion, your son's passion, and your daughter's passion, which is pretty awesome. Thank you, Alex. Time flew. This was a lot of fun. And if you guys would like to learn more about Scott, you can go check him out in the description below. I'll put all the links there. And of course, if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast or if you don't like the podcast, leave a review. It could be good or bad. You know, just reviews are always uh, interesting and it helps me grow. Whether it's a good one, it helps me grow in the ratings. If it's a bad one, it helps me develop new skills on how I can improve my skills so I can come up to like Scott where I have 10 years of experience or over 10 years of experience of podcasting. And also, if you're interested, I'm also selling merchandise online for time for your hobby stuff on things you didn't know you didn't need. So basically you got bath mats, shower curtains, socks, a hat. No, actually we don't have hats. Anyways, there's a bunch of stuff there. You can go check that out in the website below. And yeah, once again, thank you so much, Scott. Thank you. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.